Hey Martin. Hey Nick, how's it going? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks. How are you? Good, You're thanks. to move your microphone. I know, I just realised. <laughs> what a cock up. Never mind. It's probably alright. Hopefully it'll be okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> if there's any buzzing you can hear, it's because microphone. Martin just moved his microphone. But need to get a new microphone. Dodgy. It is a dodgy cable actually. Yeah, I think it is. Is that from like the 70s? It's probably not far off. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what have you been up to? Um, well, usual kind of week, really. Um, yeah, freelancing stuff. Um, I've been, I've got two projects on the go at the moment, both of which are now in test phases, which is good, which means kind of it's a bit erratic in terms of the workload, but it's, um, this week's been a bit full on, but I can see sort of the wood for the trees a bit now. And I've got right. a feeling, touching wood, that next week, I might have a little bit of free time to do Ooh. something that I want to do rather than... Or you could relax for a week and take yeah, a week off. Chill out for a week, mm. maybe, yeah. Well, it won't be the whole week. It'll be like, you know, a bit here and there. One of the problems, I think, with... It's probably my uh, management skills as much as anything, but your kind of schedule gets dictated to... Gets dictated by the most recent email sort of thing from a client, you know, because mm. if, if, if they come up with an issue which is... Uh, they consider high priority then obviously you need to try and resolve it now you could push back and say well i've not got time on it until tomorrow or whatever but for me i just rather get it out of the way and done yeah um so yeah so that's kind of gonna happen i think so i'll just take it play it by ear really and um yeah i mean some of the we mentioned before that i've signed up for the amy hoy's 35 500 thing and there's a bunch of material they've put out for sort of that you can read to help yep. prepare for it because um, the course doesn't start for a while yet. So I've been doing some of that, and I'm think you know doing some of that next week as well, if I get mm. some free time, just a okay. bit of reading and stuff, chilling out, so it's nothing too strenuous. Uh, yeah, how about you? How's good. Week? Yeah, I'm over man flu, thankfully. Excellent. There's still a bit of snot coming out. You'd be glad to hear, everyone. Nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> but I, I can't remember what we spoke about last week. I was under the fog of man flu last week, <laughs> if you remember. I don't even know what we spoke about. I should uh, re-listen to the podcast to... Uh, to remind myself. Absolutely, yeah. Don't know what I said. It could have made no sense whatsoever <laughs> or it could have been brilliant. Who no knows? change there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so this week uh, it's been good on, well, there's two fronts, I guess. There's the Voucher Codes Pro website, which has yeah. been good. We've been having an, an, another SEO person look over stuff because we weren't happy with what was going on, really. Yeah. And uh, uh, well, part of the thing is a friend was saying to me, you know, why don't you talk about the Voucher Codes Pro and SEO stuff more on the podcast? which I didn't really have a good answer for, so I think I'm going to. I guess the whole idea of the podcast at the start was we were both starting with brand new projects, weren't we? Yeah. And so that was supposed to be the topics we were talking about. And your project is obviously yes. been put to rest. <laughs> <laughs> and mine, as I have to just admit, is it's basically a side project. I've made so little progress on it at the moment, the golf mm. stuff. But it is a side project, and that's what it is. And so, you know, day-to-day, four or five days a week, I'm working on Voucher Codes Pro, and so... Might as well talk about that in terms of what what's been going on and stuff. Yeah, and sure. For future topics. So, the the main work this week has been doing another SEO review of our site, and the main aspect of it is because we've been doing well in getting lots of links into the site, which is you know one of the aspects of what we're trying to do to get uh, get better rankings and so on. Um, but the SEO agencies we've been working with, they've been taking control of our disavow file. So, one of the things we worry about is you know having unnatural links or what yeah. look like unnatural links to Google. And we don't want them thinking we're buying links, which we've never done. We've always done things properly. And yeah, we always want yeah. to be whiter than white. Um, but he's gone through our disavow file and the people who've done it previously have perhaps been too strict in terms of what they're disavowing. Right. So your disavow file is basically you can put URLs in there that tells Google to ignore them. 
Mm. So either because people have linked to you that you don't want to link to and so on. Um, and yeah, so we've been disavowing potentially lots of URLs that we shouldn't have been, that could have been passing page rank to us. Interesting, yeah. Because... It's a dangerous suppose. Yeah, and I mean, part of what made us want to look at this is because, you know, probably 95% of people who run websites like my family members and so on who've got their own business, you know, if they don't know what a disavow file is, they no. wouldn't even think of, you know, submitting any URLs to it and so on. And they've never been hit by any kind of penalties and so on. So mm. it's just, yeah, perhaps we have, we're hoping we have been too strict and we can reduce the number of URLs in the disavow file and that will give us, pass us some more page rank and Google yeah. juice and help us climb the rankings a bit, which would be good. Yeah. Sounds so yeah, that's been the main bit. Um, you, I saw that recently that... Um, Google have have been talking about this um, mobile friendly website mm. update that they're going to do, and it's going to be a, a quite a big update apparently to the index. April I've been the twenty first. April twenty first is a date to be ready by. Yeah, I've been getting emails from Webmaster Tools um, saying you need to make sure your website's mobile friendly. We've detected that these sites aren't. So yours isn't. Yeah. Well, well, some of them are. Some of them are. I've got about four or five. Yeah. More than that sites. Some of the old ones I don't ever look at. Yeah, aren't mobile friendly. So, so yeah, our site is responsive, so we pass those tests. I'm not sure if you redirect to a mo- redirect to a mobile version of your site whether that will help you pass the test because we've never gone down that route. But our site is responsive and has been since September last year, so we pass mm. those tests. Um, and it's interesting. It's you know it's probably about time that it's coming because you look at our site visits. You know, 50% of people are looking at it on a mobile or tablet yeah. these days. That's yeah. for us anyway. Um, I don't know what other you know. Your stats may vary for each site and niche you're working mm-hmm. in, but you know your site should look good on mobile. And uh, it's funny actually because two of them are for uh, mobile apps, <laughs> right? <laughs> and the website start aren't mobile friendly, which I kind of knew, but then I'd never really done anything with the websites in terms of marketing them. They were purely there as the as the support page that you have to put in when you submit your app to the app store. That's yeah. all they were there for, really. Yeah. Um, so I could probably go back and just make sure they look okay on a mobile yeah but. but it's been interesting as some google employees have been quoted as saying that this update is going to be bigger than any pen penguin or panda update that's come previously so wow um yeah we'll see fingers crossed we're kind of hoping that they run a pan panda and penguin update either just before or just after as well yeah. so that will then hopefully take into account a lot of the work we've been doing on our site and yeah uh, Ah, yeah, so exciting times in April. Well, right? it is. Yeah, I'm not sure. We'll be probably staying up all night on the 21st, <laughs> you know, refreshing some of our key, t- key terms in Google. So yeah. they move around much, but yeah, yeah, hey, exciting. Yeah, it's funny talking about the mobile apps and stuff. I've got an app that's been out for about a year now or something, the Timeboxed app, mm. which um, I built it with using the Qt framework, and um, it's it's been out there for a year and not never really done anything. I think as you called it one time, it's my um, every programmer has a to-do app in them and I think that's mine. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I mean, it's been making a little bit of money, but, you know, literally change, loose change um, over the time it's been out. But just recently, in the past week, I've had about three or four followers to the Twitter account, which is completely inactive. Mm. And um, I've had a contact us request via the website from somebody, which seems like a genuine comment that they've made um, asking for some sort of feature. and saying they love the app, which is, is fantastic. See, this is the danger of leaving apps up there, isn't there? Yeah. Did, have you listened to the latest Bootstrap FM podcast? Yes, I have. Um, and they spoke about this, didn't they? Because they're because one of the things we were going to talk about is um, 
get snappy as being retired yeah. or sold on. Yeah. And they spoke about, you know, leaving apps out there in the world and trying to, you know, bring them back to life every now and yeah. again and it yeah. not have any, well, I think they quoted it as they've never had any real success of doing that. No, no. Um, well, my, one of, are you tempted now to do some work on it? Well, no, I mean, it's been on, <laughs> it's been in the back of my mind because, because it's using the QT framework. And one of the things I've talked about is maybe becoming in, a bit more involved in the QT world. And, um, with that app, I, it's a cross platform. So it, mobile platform. So it works on iOS. It works on Windows phone, works on Windows eight, obviously iPad and everything. Um, and it, it was built to, to work on Android as well. And I did got, got as far as testing it on the simulator. But then I can't remember what happened, but I basically ran out of time. I think I started a new freelance project last year. And so I didn't actually get it shipped on Android. And I thought, I'll see how it goes on the existing platforms. And um, so it's, it's never been out there on Android. So it seems like a good time to, to do that if I do get a little bit of free time. Mm. Uh, and then maybe write, write up about, you know, how to build a QT app for the different mobile platforms. I don't know, something yeah. along those lines. So that's why it's been in the back of my mind. And then freakily over the past week, I've been getting these emails into my inbox saying people are doing stuff with it, which is weird. But um, yeah, that's just... Have you had any feedback from the Windows 8 app yet? You put up, uh, no, it's, send feedback box. it's sold. How many is it sold? Three copies, I think. <laughs> so I don't think that's going to go anywhere. Hey-ho. Yeah, yeah. Right, so... Should we move on to what we we're going to kind of main topic for this week? Yeah, yeah, why not? So as part of signing up for the 30 by 500 course, which I've done as well. Yeah. Um, my motivation is a bit different, really, I think, perhaps to yours, because I've got Voucher Codes Pro to work on all the time. Yeah. But a lot of the people that we follow, such as Brennan Dern, Nathan Barry, you know the, the chap in the article you mentioned last week who guest posted on Brennan Dern's blog post yes about the e-commerce thing. he actually went through the course as well oh really yeah so there's a lot of I, people... I don't think nathan barry <clears throat> did actually i i was under the assumption that he did go through it but i think he's just like friends with them sort of thing rather oh, than okay. going through the course. Oh, I, oh, I, if you're gonna ask me to bet on it i would bet that he did but yeah i will uh stand corrected um and so i'm gonna just more out of interest to, to be honest see what the course is all about and, yeah uh, and then, yeah see if it will help and you know solidify thinking and stuff and so as part of signing up for that we got a free copy of the Amy Hoy's book that she put out at the end of last year, I think, yep. called Just Fucking Ship. Just Fucking Ship. Yeah. <laughs> JSF for short. And so we thought we'd do a quick review of the book. Yeah. Because it's part of this, this main topic of this show. So Yeah, I've read it as well uh, over the past week as part of the sort of um, get yourself prepared yep. stuff. Um, what did you think? I was quite surprised, actually. Yeah. So I knew, obviously, you know, from following the group of people that we do, that the book was written at the end of last year. And, uh, it was part of a 24 day, uh, 24 hour challenge. 24 hour challenge, yeah. So it was, it was written and, uh, published within 20, not published, but written in 24 hours. Mm. And, uh, from the title and from seeing various bits and pieces that Amy Hoy has done before, I was a bit wary of it because I thought it would just be a load of swearing in the book. <laughs> going, just fucking ship. You're a plonker, full delaying, just yeah. fucking ship. Blah, 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 blah. Just fucking ship. Get your life together. Yeah. yeah. Stop fearing all this stuff that doesn't exist. Just fucking ship. Yeah. But you know, as it was a free copy, I thought I'd read it anyway. And I think you said some some good stuff about it last week to me off, mm. off, off air. And uh, yeah, I was actually pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I, I think it was, it was really good. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I must admit, I I hadn't. I saw it was part of the twenty four hour challenge thing, and I, I two or three times <laughs> since the, it's been released, I've thought about going buying it, but I've mm. already got a, quite a long reading list, so I didn't buy it. 
And then it was by luck, really, as by signing on to the course, it's there as part of that. And so um, I definitely, yeah, I think it's really good, yeah. So the funny thing is, the metaphor it uses, yeah. um, instead of write, just writing about shipping products, which it obviously covers, it uses the metaphor of hosting a Thanksgiving dinner party. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that I can't cook. And so I've never oh, really right. hosted a dinner party, but I have shipped products before. <laughs> yeah. the other way so maybe I should, uh, I should uh, read it and, and host a dinner party and use the methods in there to host a dinner party. <laughs> But no, so it was really good. Um, I guess we've pulled out. There's 21 main points. Yeah, I think there's the And it's a short read as well, just to say yeah. quickly, you know, um, to prepare for the podcast. You know, I've read most of it in a day and a half. So Yeah. Um, and it's kind of about mindset, isn't it? That, that's basically it, really. It's about getting your head around all the things that, that creep in to your, to your mind as you're working on, on a project, whatever it be, um, that, that kind of get in your way and help scupper the project basically and so it's hard to try and uh, get around those yep. things um so i think we, we'll take it in terms to bring out main points okay yeah so the first one for me was i guess was in the first chapters or even the setup chapter about do you really want it mm. and about passion yeah and this made me think about the golf stuff a bit actually this week in terms of um you know is it actually something i actually genuinely genuinely really want the business around building websites or a CRM thing or practice management thing for golfers. Yeah. Um, and I guess it goes back to the passion, whereas I'm passionate about golf and I've tried to mix, you know, work and passion together. Mm. And is it, do I, is it the idea of, you know, having this or do I actually really want to spend time building it type uh, thing? And that's interesting because what, what, when I read it, I, I sort of thought, thought, yeah, the passion thing. I've always struggled with the idea of, of, well, I'm not really that passionate about, about it. You know, whenever I'm building something or, or, or whatever, I'm not, ever that passionate about it i wouldn't say this is my passion i've got to do it or else you know i'd do it even if i wasn't being paid mm. etc that sort of stuff and i think she's she sorts of talks about in the book that was it your ardent wish i think she calls it which is not so much about your passion about the project it's more about what it is you want like where you want to be what you want your life to be like mm. so so for example um their product is the time tracking product freckle and she says i'm not passionate about time tracking but she's passionate about where she wanted her life to be and that's why uh, you sort of do the project that's why you apply all these techniques and stuff to make sure you ship the product because by shipping the product you get closer to that yep. ardent wish which is what you you want your situation to be mm. you know um, and i think that's a really good way of switching it around to think about it is that i mean your passion may be golf but writing an app or, or writing a website about golf probably isn't your passion. You know, mm. it's kind of like where you want to be at the end of it. If that's helps you get to where you want to be at the end of it, then that's what you need to look at rather than actually the project itself. Yep. Um, don't know, just waffled a bit, but that's, <laughs> that's kind of what I interpreted it as. And I anyway, yeah. So it's made me think about well, that it's made me think about the golf app and stuff. Yeah. That's why I've kind of put it to. It's not to well, I guess it is to the back of my mind. And it's a side project right now. Yeah. Um, I guess what I'd like to be able to do is, you know, work on it full time for, like we've said before, you know, for three to six months. Yeah. Because trying to work on something just two days a week or one day a week or half a day a week or something is, is difficult, isn't it? It is, yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, so anyway, moving on. Yeah, so, I mean, actually talking about that, the, the next thing, um, the next big one that I took out of it was the idea of backwards planning. Mm -hmm. So onto the, the sort of uh, dinner party metaphor, it was, they were talking, she's talking about, you know, you kind of instinctively know that you've got to eat at a certain time on your dinner party. Therefore, everything needs to be ready by that time. So you kind of work backwards. Well, if it, 
you know, the turkey takes this long to cook. I need to put it on then so it's ready and it gets time to rest before the meal. Yeah. And you know, so you work backwards to, to where you need to start and, and what needs to be done by when. And that is kind of like a common planning tool, I think. I mean, I quite often will do that on a project. I'll know that, you know, I've got user acceptance testing. It has to happen before the release and mm. then system testing happens before that, et cetera. And then all, all the different bits of planning. But I keep them in quite big components um, where I say, well, you know, development of this feature will, will be there and development of this feature will be there. But the, I think the, the key to the backwards planning thing that she's talking about is breaking it down into every tiny little thing that has to happen. Yeah. So that you can have, you can maybe have, well, this component has to happen there, but then you have to break it down even more into mm. smaller bits so that you can pick off those. And that's kind of where I fall down with that idea. So I really like the bit about the backward planning because it kind of spelled out and it makes perfect sense yeah. to do that. I think uh, for your for the freelancing kind of work you do, because the client set the deadline, yeah, it's kind of you have to backward plan, don't you, for that? Yeah. But the problem is for me, because there's no deadlines apart from ones that I set myself, and I'll come on to deadlines in a minute, I kind of do forward planning, I guess, whereas I say, well, I need to do this. You know, it's going to take two days to do that, three days to do that, five days to do that, so on. And mm. so I say, well, the launch date will be add all those days up. Yeah. Where with the backward planning, it would be better to set a deadline of two weeks and then figure out what you can get done in those two weeks and then you cut out the stuff that doesn't really necessarily need to be done. Yeah. So yeah. it's about getting down to priorities and getting down to what necessary, you know, the necessities yeah. that need to yeah. be done. Yeah. Um, and the deadlines is a big one, really, because I, I don't know the whole one of the whole points really of, uh, of you know, build running my own business or doing whatever those kind of things is that I, you know you don't have to set yourself deadlines and so you can live a nice relaxed life and yeah. get things done whenever you want and all that kind of stuff. And whether it's uh, <clears throat> revolting, that's not the right word, is it? I can't even think of the right word. Never mind. But you know, from times at university and all that kind of stuff, when you'll yeah. set deadlines, yeah. and kind of saying, well, I don't want to do deadlines anymore. I've had my time of that. Um, and so, but the good thing about deadlines is, you know, obviously well, it sets your deadline and gets you closer to where you want to be. Yeah. And so maybe I should be a bit stricter with myself in setting deadlines. Um and it's interesting because in the book it says, you know, if you if you set yourself deadlines, which we have done with this podcast because we mm. keep, we've kept saying we want to get this done by next week, so on and so forth. If we keep missing them, you know, it goes back to the real the start first question about do you really want it? Yeah. And so because we've been so well, I have anyway. I've been wishy washy in terms of saying I'm going to get this done. I'm going to contact that many people, and I come on the next week and say, well, you know, I only got round to doing ten instead of thirty, and mm. oh, I haven't written that blog post. That's kind of make myself question you know as i said before you know is it something i really want to do yeah um that yep so deadlines maybe you know for voucher codes pro i don't set myself any deadlines you know people i set deadlines for other people (laughs) (laughs) that's right yeah but that's part of running your own business isn't i guess one of the pleasures of it but uh maybe i should be a bit more stricter about setting deadlines for myself and sticking to them and and would you do the backward planning thing and and i guess from that point yeah so then it makes you cut down on the features that you know because that's the thing, actually, I mean, I, it's not in the order of the book, but you talked about the niceties versus necessities there as well, which is mm. if you do set a deadline and then you do the backward planning, you know, you can then plan in, well, these things are nice to haves really, but these things are absolutely have to be there. Yeah. And then as you go through, you know, you're getting close to the deadline and you need to pull things out, then the niceties just go out the window. That's another thing that, that the book talks about is is having those things and knowing what they are. Yeah so that you know exactly what the core thing has to be in your your, your project by the deadline so that yeah. you can then move move things out and that's um 
that's kind of related to choosing your difficulty setting, mm. which he talks about, which is, you know, um, I think the example they use is something along the lines of, well, if you're going to host a dinner party for the first time, you don't want to go trying to cook stuff you've never cooked before just for that dinner party. Yeah. You, want to, you want to basically just get the thing organized and cook stuff you know so that it's going to, going to be likely to be a success. You know, So um, that's choosing your difficulty setting is yeah. reducing it as much as possible. And then in future, you can bring in more and, and extra special things and in your future dinner parties, you can be a bit more adventurous, but you need to get some successes under your belt, so to speak. Does that mean yeah, I have to start with being, if you come around for a dinner party, we're going to have beans on toast and <laughs> cooking. Is that all you've done before? <laughs> Thankfully, Sophie's a really good cook. So I'm yeah. good at fried egg sandwiches as well, so we can mix them up. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so that's interesting from the choose your difficulty settings. Yeah. I um, The way I looked at that is in terms of the one, the, the JavaScript book I think they first wrote, you know, they set a difficulty setting of, or at least what they wanted to achieve was selling 50 copies. Yeah. That was their difficulty setting. And if they hit 50, you know, they thought it was a success and they won. Um, the problem I think, you know, perhaps me and you have and other people have is that we set our difficulty settings and we compare them to other people. Mm. So we think, you know, we should be set, if we were going to write an ebook or whatever, we should be selling 10,000 copies because that's probably the likely number that someone else that we follow sells. Mm. Although they've been doing it for 10 years and they've built up an email list of 100,000 people and stuff. We're thinking, we're thinking to ourselves, you know, we should be selling 100,000 mm. copies. Whereas really, we should set a, a target of like 10, Yeah, you know, just getting started. And there's also the issue is if, if you've had a successful business before and, you know, like I have with the SharePoint stuff, I kind of think, well, everything else, you know, I should, I set my targets around that Yeah. rather than thinking, you know, just sell five licenses of a, or five, sell five instances on the web app or users or whatever, sign them up. I'm thinking, well, I should be selling a thousand or ten thousand, getting them signed mm. up within three months. Um, but you forget, yeah. it, you know, if it's in a completely different niche or whatever, a completely different area, then you are literally starting from scratch. Yeah, you've totally. got the knowledge that you've built up, but you, you, you know, in terms of customers, you started from scratch. I guess that's why it's difficult to go from, you know, once you if you've built and sold a business or something, starting from scratch again. Yeah, because you know, it is a slow burn, and you forget mm. about the two or three years work you put in before any real success in the previous business and yeah. so on. You want instant gratification. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that, and that thing as well, you know, even if 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 you even if we're talking about an ebook or whatever, and you're you're thinking it's a brand new thing, for me anyway, I'm looking at well, I need to earn X amount per month to to knock the freelancing on the head. Therefore, I need to sell this many ebooks. Mm. Which you know, again, it's the same problem. I shouldn't be thinking that way. I should be thinking, well, I need to get a start. You know, so my difficulty setting should be telling selling ten copies. Yep. And if I've done that, then that's my start. And then, so it's like you say, you've got to play the long game rather than just uh, trying to do it all up front. Yep. Um, the Another one I'll pull out, and this is the last one I've got noted down, actually. Again, these aren't in the order that they're in the book, I don't think, about starting small. Yeah. I think, again, this is similar to what we're, we're talking about already, but um, the quote from the book is, you know, there's so many people that have got hard drives full of overly ambitious projects that they've started and they never see the light of day because they give up on them beforehand. Mm. Um, and a couple of quotes it pulls out, I pulled out, it says, you know, don't do a book, start with a blog post. Um, don't write a web app, write about the problem space to start with. Mm. Um, you know, start with small atoms, I think is what the book says, yeah, yeah. and get progress going. Um, and, you know, by writing a blog post and writing about the problem space, you'll find out about whether it is a real problem as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. From Google and so on. So, yeah, start small, get progress going, and make it crispy. That was something else um, that I picked out out of the book, which is 
by crispy they mean something that's solid and and, eat, and really well defined you know so yeah. i think one of the examples they use is rather than say i'm going to write a book about consulting then you write a book about you know the brennan dunn thing w freelancing rate something that you can has got a start and an end and you know when you're done because if you just say i'm going to write a book about consulting you're never going to be done you know and it's such a massive thing and it, it, it actually ties back into the other thing we were just talking about where you know we want to be a massive product from the start you know you need something that's really well defined and something where you know when you're finished mm. so that you can then say right that's done put it out there um and unless you know when it's done how can you do the planning for it how can you yeah. do the backward planning unless you know what finished looks like you know so it's all everything really ties into each other throughout the book which i think was really really good as well yeah um and that's yeah so overall a very very good book and uh i think yeah, I recommend it. There's a couple of things I'm uh, gonna. Uh, this is speaking specifically about the golf stuff. Yeah. Um, apart from the deadlines, you know, internal deadlines I might set for myself, is um because I was thinking about the various marketing bits and pieces I've been talking to people to about uh, new email newsletters, Facebook pages, and stuff. I was planning on writing each one up and putting it into an ebook. Because mm. now I might just do one one or two as a blog post and just see right. what reaction they get, yeah. rather yeah. than spending the time, you know, hidden away, writing away, and then. Whether it gets any success or not, you don't know, do you, till you publish. So I'll get a blog post or two up, I think, mm. uh, particularly about Facebook. And then the second one was about, the, the um, again, starting small, is around the stats tracking for golf rounds because there's similar apps out there already and they track hundreds of stats. And so I'm kind of immediately thinking, you know, I've got to track hundreds of stats mm. to try and compete with them. But really, you know, I'm going out to play golf this afternoon. All I'm going to track is how many fairways I hit, how many greens I hit in regulation and how many putts. And that's all I've got to start with is three stats. Yeah. And that makes it so much easier and more achievable. Um, and, you know, then in the next release, I can start, you know, tracking other things such as did I get up and down and if I missed the green and so on and so yeah. forth. So, so, yeah, it's good. Excellent. Um, do you know what the price of the book is for, me, for uh, people to purchase? Oh, eek, I don't know. I think it's $19, right? But I've just looked on the site and it's shown as zero. But I'm not sure if that's because I'm logged in and uh, you've already got it. Yeah. Got a copy of it. I don't know. But yeah, even at $19. Well, free is obviously brilliant if you want to get it for that price, but $19, I think, is, is well worth purchasing. Yeah, I, I think so as well. Yeah, it's a really good read. Um, and I think it's one that I'll keep coming back to to remind myself, you know, because, mm. you know, it's like when you're in the middle of a project, you, you get the fog descending and you like don't know which way to turn and you yeah. just need to reread some of these things to help dispel those, you know, things that are creeping in yeah. to, to put you off. So, yeah, I think I'll, I'll come back to it for sure. Well, it's easy to fall back into bad habits, isn't it? Very easy. <laughs> yeah. I've been doing that all my life. <laughs> oh, um, got any stuff to go through? Um, yeah, well, the main stuff, I think you mentioned it already, was about Snappy mm. in the Bootstraps FM podcast with Andre Butov and, uh, and Ian Landsman. Yep. Ian Landsman's company, Userscape, had a product called Snappy, which is a, a SaaS um, help desk, wasn't it? Yeah. And they'd built, been building it for two years. They built it for two years. It's been around... What, it's been out for a year now, is it, or something like that? Yeah, I guess maybe a little bit longer, yeah. Yeah, and they um, just worked out that they're not making enough money from it to cover the costs of their time and, and everything else. Yeah. So they decided to close it down. It's interesting because they put it into, the, you know, different scales in terms of for a single person who was working on it, it would be quite a successful thing. But because they're an existing business, this has already got a very successful product line. To yeah. Is it help? Help spot. Spot. Which is a is a help desk thing as well, isn't it? But you install it on your own hardware. Yeah. yeah. Compared to the success of that, it's a small, tiny drop in the ocean, and it's not. It's just not worth them carrying on with the SaaS business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And it was interesting. He was talking about, you know, how he's got a bit of a theory about, you know, SAS probably needing a bit of investment up front to mm. get it to get it rolling. I mean, it takes a long time and a bit of investment. So you've got a bit of a team and you can yeah. throw some marketing at it to get the to get it rolling up to a decent level of recurring you income. Think of the um the most successful SaaS products, probably Salesforce. Yeah. Highly funded. Yeah. <laughs> HubSpot that went public a little while ago, that's highly funded. And so they do grow by taking investment and use that investment money to to grow. Yeah. Through marketing channels and they've calculated that, you know, I think about spoke about this last week, if they spend five dollars on acquiring a customer over a period their lifetime value is gonna be you know, ten dollars, so they're going to make money. But to be able to fund that customer acquisition, they're, they're taking funding to do it. Mm. Yeah, the good news is I think they've sold Snappy. Um, I think I saw recently that they've actually found a buyer for it, and right, okay. it's going to carry on, so it's not going to die. So that's that's good news. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it was a a real sort of eye opener. Well, because they've said about because they used to be uh, putting podcasts out every week or two weeks, didn't they? Yeah, slow down a bit. But in the previous episode, they were talking about the was it SAS, death the SAS or something? Yeah, like that? yeah. Or the <laughs> hate slow, the SAS. Hate the SAS. That's it. The slow ramp of death of SAS. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> it's or funny. Other people have spoken about that in presentations, haven't they? Yeah, we've been hearing a lot more about that though. I think over the past six months, yeah, lots and lots of people saying, look, it takes a long time to build mm. a SAS business. You know, I mean, the startup for the rest of us have been talking about the um, stair step approach. So when you first start out, do something small like an ebook or a WordPress plugin or something small and then build up to a SaaS because you need to get some marketing chops and you need to also get some experience of running a product and all the rest of it to see what's involved yep. before you actually then get into a SaaS because it's going to take a long, long time to make money. Mm. Uh, it's all yeah, it's all very interesting. Yep. Uh, you've got the half marathon on Sunday. I have. I'm not doing yes. it. <clears throat> you're I've not doing it. I've actually got a golf booked in to make sure I'm not doing <laughs> it. Well, to be honest, I'm still getting over man flu slightly. Slightly. Um, and I've got hip flexor issues and yeah are you still doing the run string yes yes i'm still running every day i'm up to like day 80 now cool it's quite good um but yeah you look at the weather now it's lovely and sunny yeah it was eclipse day today wasn't it in you here in the uk <sighs> that was a massive failure i was at my Epic daughter's fail. school yeah i was at lois's school <laughs> this morning helping out with like telescopes and stuff to try and see it and using that like projecting it onto a bit of paper but of course it was cloudy so we saw nothing <laughs> Just basically pointing these telescopes across the field to see what you could see at the other side rather than <laughs> anything else. But um, yeah, there you go. So yeah, the running thing, I had a bit of a shock this week actually because because I'd had the shin splints and injuries and stuff earlier in the year, I wasn't sure if I was going to be running it. Um, it depended on, on how fit I was and stuff. And luckily I've, I've got back and I'm going to be running it. But during that time, I'd completely forgotten that I booked a charity place <laughs> So you book a charity place and you, you pay less money for the actual entry. Oh, right, yeah. But you have to raise a minimum of £50 for a charity. Right. And I got an email this week, Tuesday I think it was, saying, we can't trace which charity you've registered with. Um, you've got a charity spot, so you need to raise £50 for a charity. And I was like, ah, <laughs> I've forgotten all about that. that. So I've just um, set it up this week. So I hope... I've probably just about managed 50 quid, but I've got two days I'll, to I'll raise the funds. You. I'll yeah. sponsor you because I'm not doing it. So. I'll send you the link later on. <clears throat> we can put the link in the show notes as well if anyone feels generous. Although it'll be That'll, after the fact if you actually do it. It'll be after it. the fact, yeah. Well, at least I've got... Every penny matter. Absolutely, yeah. Counts? absolutely. It's for Parkinson's UK I'm going to run. Right. So I did that last year, so I thought I'd use them again. I've already got the vest, so I don't need to bother <laughs> <laughs> doing all that. So yeah, um, that was a bit of a shock this week. Um, but yeah, that's done. When you'll listen to this on Monday, Martin will be in lots of pain. I'll be, uh, yeah, probably. I've, I've 
I've m- most of the run is 10 miles and that really hurt. Yeah. I've done that twice now. So it hurt no, both times, right. but less the second time. I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll make it. I, my, my goal is to run it faster than last year. Um, I don't think I'll do that, but we'll see. I'll do my best. Yep. Good luck. Cheers. Right. See you next week. Yep. See you next Cheers. week. Cheers. Bye.